Assalamu alaikum, this is Abdurrahman Murphy, and you're listening to the newest Heartwork series, Finding Meaning in Trial. In this series, we'll be exploring an upcoming publication that I'm working on, translating and commenting on the beautiful short text of Al-Izz bin Abdussalam called The Benefits of Trials. In this series, we'll be exploring some of the meanings and some of the benefits of trials in our lives as given to us by Al-Izz bin Abdussalam. He gives us some of the good things that we seek in life that can only come from the bad moments that we experience in life. I look forward to joining you on this series, inshallah, and having you with us. And as always, if you benefit from our work, please consider donating and becoming a sustainer at rootsdfw.org slash sustain. Welcome home, everybody. Sorry, a little bit late. Apologize. I was meeting with... Uh, I was going over my notes with Sheikh Abdel Nasser in my office, and he was just dropping them, mashallah. So tonight will hopefully be of benefit, bidnillah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept from us, inshallah. Uh, we are going to be going through, actually tonight, so in this book that Al-Iz bin Abdul Salam, he tr- uh, writes for us, um, he puts things together in a, um, in a list format, and some of the items that he puts in his list are like really extensive. Like you can go on about them probably for a, quite a while. And some of them, they sort of go like back to back one after another. So tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that we're on the next one. But if you look at the book, inshallah, and hopefully when, when I when finish translating and get this published, uh, it's going to actually be a group of them collected together. So, you know, just FYI, inshallah. Um, but... Tonight is actually an interesting benefit because, again, the, the, the book is actually called The Benefits of Trials. And this is Al-Izz bin Abdul Salam trying to give us a, a lighter perspective on why bad things happen. And that's why the, the Heartwork series is called Finding Meaning in Trials because the, the number one question we have when we're tested is why? Why is this happening? And so... He mentions here, we just finished talking about patience, and we went through some of the ways of getting patience, right? Everybody in this room, if I asked you who here wants to be patient or more patient, not a single person would not raise their hand, right? It's a virtue that everybody loves and appreciates, especially when you're on the receiving end of patience. You're very, very grateful that people are patient with you. But the reality is that you can't develop patience, you can't become patient, unless you're put in situations where you have to become patient. And what that means is that you have to be put in bad spots. And so we want to be a person, but sometimes we don't want to go through the trials that are necessary to become that person. And that's what's really important about these sessions on Mondays, is that how do we not only deal with something, but how do we embrace it? And how do we really take it head on and become the better person that we know we want to become? So we talked a little bit about that last week. We talked about how you can develop patience by getting to know the Prophet ﷺ, his life. When you read his life, you have no choice. Every story demonstrates beautiful patience. You also develop patience when you have perspective. When you think about all of these different things that you have. You also develop patience when you realize how blessed you are. You know, the other night I was with my son and we were having dinner. And it was just he and I. And uh, he saw orange soda. He's at that age where like orange soda is like the favorite drink. And if we don't correct this now, it will quickly become a lifelong problem. So he saw orange soda at the restaurant we were at. And he's like, Dad, Baba, Baba, can I please get orange soda? And then he said something. And I'm only saying this again because I want to embarrass him when he gets married, inshallah, later in life. And I'll show all these clips of me just dragging him at heart work. No, I am only saying this because it so accurately just represents human beings. He said, Baba, can I please have orange soda? And then he said, because I haven't had soda in so long. I haven't had it in like weeks and weeks and weeks. And I could tell you he wasn't lying. Like I could tell that he really meant it. I mean, the tears in his eyes for orange soda was like next level. And so... I looked at him and I said, Musa. And he said, yes, Baba. And he was like waiting because he's like, you know, when you don't know if your dad's going to say yes or no, mom's going to say yes or no. He's like, yes, Baba. I said, Musa. 
I gave you with my own hand a can of 7-Up last night. And he goes, he looks, and he has this like funny like gotcha smile where he's like, oh, you're right, you're right. But it wasn't orange soda, and then he started like lobbying for that. But the reason I share that story is because in that six-year-old boy's mind is the same logic that many of us have. And that impatience that he displayed, we also share in that same struggle. We're just better at hiding it. We're better at masking it, making it look more mature and less childish. But in reality, how many of us, when we think about what we want from Allah, we make dua, we beg Allah, and we ask Allah, and we haven't even thanked him for what he just gave us. Like the du'as that I was asking him for something for, he granted it to me, and before I took time to thank him, I already moved on to the next step, right? And this is like a human problem. And this is why in this next section, one of the things that is quoted, right? So the, 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 the section is celebrating the trial. That's the next benefit. The next benefit is that you eventually become a person that when something negative happens, when you're tested in life, you don't just respond by dealing with it, but you actually like kind of laugh at it. You chuckle at it. And you actually celebrate it because, well, we'll talk about why that is. There's reasons. But he quotes this ayah. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, he says, That human beings are specifically to Allah. It's like an interjection here. Ungrateful. And this is like a, a statement. Allah is not bashing on anybody. Allah is not trying to make people feel bad about themselves. He's just saying, look, your default, you have to deal with your default. If you don't step on the scale, I know it's January. I don't mean to trigger everybody. If you don't check your bank balance, if you don't check where you are, then you don't know like how far or where you have to go. So Allah gives us kind of like the default. You have to admit that you struggle, and you and I both struggle with gratitude, okay? And sometimes when we struggle with gratitude, what happens to us is Allah sends a difficulty or a trial or a test just temporarily in our path in life. And in that trial, in that difficulty and test, we become immensely grateful. Raise your hand if a trial ever made you grateful before. Raise your hand if like something that you wanted not happening made you grateful. Abbas, you got it? Yes. Alhamdulillah. Did you, did you make dua for me? It's all right, Abbas. We'll talk about it. You know what you say? If someone asked you, if they said, Abbas, did you make dua for me at Umrah? You know what you say? You say, I made dua for all the Muslims. And then they say, okay, right? And then you run quickly before they ask you follow-ups, okay? So, he's making dua for me right now. My dude, man. Abbas is my guy. Abbas is my guy, man. Listen, Abbas's duas might be the only people in here guaranteed acceptance. If you know what I mean. Abbas is our guy, mashallah. May Allah Ta'ala bless us because we have him in our midst. Alhamdulillah. So, Al-Hasan al-Basri, he quotes this ayah, and he says, That this is your default. And he actually explains it. He says, because He says, your default is that you always remember the bad things, and you make mention of the bad things, but you never take time to mention the good things. Right? It's a default. Now, I'm not accusing anybody. If you're somebody that is grateful and you're like, no, I, I'm grateful, then that's good, mashallah. But for me, for us, for the rest of us people, for the rest of us spiritual peasants that have to work on ourselves, this is describing us, right? We complain a lot. We complain a lot. And as we complain a lot, as we do that, we forget to mention the good things, okay? So what's our goal? Our goal is to actually flip this. Our goal is to become the type, of the type of person that when bad things happen, we're able to remain patient and we're able to even remain silent and we're able to bear with it. And when good things happen, we immediately 
recall and remember and we mention it, right? Allah says, and if you recall the blessings of your Lord, then tell people, not in a bragging way, not in like an arrogant way, but when you see people in your life that are going through difficulty, you tell them. And this is why we finished last week and I said, there are people in this room that you have gone through something that somebody else in this room is currently going through. And one of the blessings that you can be for them is you can be a support for them and you can be a mentor for them. All of us who are here right now are only here because of the benefit of somebody that helped us. Every single one of us. I'm sitting here telling you this as I literally came out of my office. Sheikh Abdel Nasser, the guy who's helped me for, the man who's helped me for 15 years was sitting there, right? I wouldn't be teaching heart work if it weren't for him, right? May Allah bless him. So I'm literally telling you exactly how I feel and all of us have to admit it. So what happens is when you go through a difficulty and Allah brings you through it and you gain stability and equilibrium, then it's no longer just a state for you to be gra grateful. Your gratitude, your celebration is to go and to be a resource for those who are struggling. If somebody is struggling to get into that grad program, you help them, right? If somebody is struggling to, you name it, I, I don't wanna get too personal. If somebody is struggling, and you can relate, then you make it a point to go and help them. So Hassan al-Basri, he said, mankind will always be in a bad state if they only remember the trials and never remember the blessings. So let's talk a little bit about this. How do we switch this? How do we change this in ourselves to become a person that remembers the, the good parts and forgets about or works hard through the trials? Well, Ali radiallahu anhu, Okay, the cousin of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He gives an address. He gives like a very, uh, uh, you know, deep kind of like cut. And he says here, Oh, children of Adam, human beings. He says, let me give you some advice about how to, how to handle life. He says, number one, do not celebrate the good times of wealth. Don't celebrate wealth. This doesn't mean that you can't spend. It doesn't mean that you can't buy somebody a gift if you got a new job and you want to like, for example, you know, thank somebody for helping you or send your parents for Hajj or something. No, no, no. He's saying what? Don't let the arrival of wealth change your level of gratitude to Allah. And don't despair when poverty hits you. This is Ali. Ali is saying this. Why? Because both of these scenarios in your life are inevitable. There will be times that are good and times that are not good. You know, Sheikh Abdel Nasser just told me this story. This is basically my hack. Before every hard work, I just like ask him, hey, any ideas? No, but he just told me this story that was so beautiful about Imam Abu Hanifa. Imam Abu Hanifa was a, a businessman. And in his business, he used to sell, you know, merchandise. And he would actually have shiploads, massive amounts. So I want you to imagine, like, what's the most expensive thing that you've sold or the most expensive product that you've had and how you handled sh selling that, right? If you, sold, if you were selling a car, for example, let's say you were selling your car and you needed to make that money, you needed to make that, or a house, okay? And in that sale, someone comes and tells you like, hey, um, the car actually went missing. So that car you needed to sell, that house, it just burned down. May Allah protect us. How would you react, okay? And then let's say like a few Hours later, they came back to you and they're like, actually, we found the car. Or like, actually, it wasn't your house. It was your neighbor's house. And you're like awkwardly like, do I celebrate? Right? So this actually happened to Abu Hanifa. Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, was teaching class. And he had a business. He had a ship that was out. Going to make him a, a lot of money. And somebody came to him and they said, your ship has sunk. Like your ship, one of the students came to him and said, Imam, we just received news that your ship sunk and all of the merchandise that you were going to sell is gone. And he just says, Alhamdulillah. And then somebody comes at the end of the lesson and they whisper something in his ear. And he just says again, Alhamdulillah. What did they say to him? They said, no, we actually found your ship. We actually found it. It didn't sink. And this actually makes more sense because in the sea it's like, you don't have GPS, you don't have any of that. So his students became confused because he said the same thing for both scenarios. Do you guys catch what's going on? He said what? Alhamdulillah. 
for both things. Like somebody's like, oh, your ship, your ship sank. He's like, alhamdulillah. Your ship was found, alhamdulillah. So his students asked him, they said, why did you say alhamdulillah for both things? You know, he said, well, I said alhamdulillah for the first thing because alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. Like, I'm just grateful to Allah in every state. And, he, and we'll talk about what that means later. But effectively, he's saying like, Allah took away some merchandise, but he didn't take away my family. He didn't take away my life. He didn't take away my akhirah. He didn't take away my deen. And then they said, okay, fair enough. But what about the second alhamdulillah? Like, how could that be just the same level? And he said, I said alhamdulillah the second time because when they told me that all my merchandise was safe. Merchandise here is code for what? Cash. Like, I'm going to make my cash. He said, when all of that was safe, I said alhamdulillah because... My heart did not move any closer to Allah finding out that he gave me everything back. When he took it from me, I didn't leave him. And so when he gave it back to me, I didn't have to come back ashamed. Do you understand what, what this is? This is a very difficult place to be. When bad things happen, how many of us leave Allah? We, 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 we're, we're late with our prayers. We're not as on top of our, our Qur'an. We're distant in our du'a. Why? Because Allah is testing me. And you know what? I've been making du'a. My du'a's not answered. Khalas. Like, I'm done with this. I'm frustrated. So he said, Alhamdulillah, because he said, when I realized the whole situation as it wrapped up, my heart stayed exactly as close to Allah when I was reminded that my merchandise was good as it was when I was told that my merchandise was gone. So he says here, Ali says, radiallahu anhu, do not celebrate wealth and do not despair in poverty. Become a person that in every scenario is able to celebrate your relationship with Allah. Whether it's good or bad, right? Allah mentions in the Quran. Do not be grieved by tests. Don't become overwhelmed. Allah Ta'ala says that you're going to be tested. That's part of the nature. This is what we signed up for. Don't be grieved by tests and don't celebrate when times are easy. Because he says gold is tested by fire. And this is one of the, the meanings of the word fitna. Fitna is actually derived from the same word that is the process of purifying gold. They'll take gold, they'll stick it into an oven, the fire will eradicate all of the impurities, every single impurity. And when it's done eating away all of the different non-gold minerals, they pull the gold out and it's just pure gold. And the scholars say that the reason why fitna is used for this word and the reason why it's used for trial for the heart of a believer is that in the fitna that you're in, Allah is placing your heart into this chamber, this oven. And he's allowing all of your impurities to just melt away. Everything. And the only thing that is left if you pass the test is your iman, your faith. If you pass. So all of these things that fall away, and we'll mention them as we keep going inshallah. So he says, the righteous servant is tested by trials and you do not reach. Listen to this. Are you ready? You will never reach what you desire except by giving up what you want. The only way that you will have the ability to get where you want is by sacrificing what you want. This means giving up your indulgences, giving up your desires. I mean, think about it. Anyone in this room that's been successful at something Part of the reason that you've had that success is because you've had to give up things, right? You've had to give up sleep. You've had to give up your time. Some people have sacrificed their social life. God forbid you couldn't go to one of the 3,000 weddings that Muslims have every year, right? I can't. I have to study, right? Don't worry. They have six more wedding parties, inshallah. You can go to one of them. No, I'm joking, right? You can tell that I'm bitter um, because I have to beat everyone. So... This is an example, Ali says, that you have to be willing to give something up to get what you want. And then he says, you will not reach what you hope for until you are able to bear patiently with what you dislike. You will not reach what you hope for until you bear patiently with what you dislike. And this is one of the things that we struggle with. If something happens that we dislike, we either say, why me? Or we say, why them? Why not them? We compare with other people. Someone else has this, you don't have this. You know, I was just telling my son yesterday, I said, complaining and comparison is the thief of happiness. If you complain and compare with other people, you're never going to be happy. Because 
someone else is always going to have it better than you. Someone else in your life is always going to. Like, look at your life. You could always look at your situation and say someone else has this or that. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he said, when you feel this way, your job is actually not to look at those who have more than you. That's a problem. Don't do that. Never, ever do this. Which is, by the way, why Instagram can be problematic. Because all you're seeing with these like Instagram chefs as you're sitting there eating your ramen and not like the fancy ramen. We're talking like 99 cents and below. All you're seeing is like things that are better than what you have. And, and, and people do not post the reality of their life. They only post the highlights. And so while you're sitting here in Dallas and you get, you know, you catch wind of a, 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 an Arctic freeze that's going to hit us this week, may Allah Ta'ala protect us. And may Allah Ta'ala protect Ted Cruz in Cancun because we already know he's on his way. <laughs> we already know that boy bought his ticket already, okay? No, you see that and then you scroll and the next person is some influencer on the beach in Tulum. Tulum. <laughs> right? And, and, and you're like, why am I here and why are they there? Right? But you have to realize that what you are subjecting yourself to, it's self-inflicted. This torture is self-inflicted. And sometimes the wisest thing you can do is delete the app or, or unfollow people. Because why? Comparison is the thief of happiness. And all you should do is, you can compare. Let me go back on that. You can compare but compare it to people who have nothing. Compare your life to those who have nothing and watch how quickly happiness is injected into your life. Right? May Allah Ta'ala protect us. And so he says, you will not reach what you hope for until you are patient with what you dislike. He says, work hard on what Allah has made obligatory upon you. You know what this means? In life, in good and bad, in prosperity and in poverty, in difficulty and in ease, never give up your prayer. Never stop your salah. That is your anchor. That is what will keep you humble when times are good. And that is what will keep you hopeful when times are bad. Prayer is the, it's so interesting. It's like people in medicine, they'll tell you like, no matter what the symptom, just take ibuprofen. Right? But I have this, take ibuprofen. Take this. It's like, it's something that can handle multiple problems. Salah is the ultimate ibuprofen. It can handle multiple issues. It can handle a person's anxiety. It can help a person with their uncertainty, their lack of trust. It can help a person with their, it recenters us. You know, now, right now, 2024, you have all these, mashallah, life coaches by talking about centering yourself, align your chakras, right? I apologize if you aligned your chakras before you got here. I don't mean to make fun of your chakras, but our deen, our religion has gifted us the ultimate form of meditation known as salah. It doesn't work if you don't try it. And it doesn't work if you rush through it. Nothing works if you rush through it. Have you guys ever tried to do something that required focus, but do it quickly? No, it's not going to work. Things require time. They require focus. They require devotion. Salah is the same thing. But if you give salah your whole being, salah can replenish your whole being. That's just how it works. And that's why when things get really bad, really, really bad, we find ourselves on the prayer rug. Because we know that that's really the only thing that can help us. May Allah Ta'ala keep us connected to Him. So let's talk a little bit about the levels of prayer. Okay? The first level, or the levels of patience, I apologize. The first level is when a person bears patiently with something, so they deal with it, but they deal with it in a way that's like really, really sour. So along the way, there's complaints the entire time, okay? This is like very triggering to me because I have two young children. So we're all in the car. I want you to think about the, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You're eventually going to get there. But if you said, are we there yet? Like 50 times, when we get there and you're like, we're here, everyone's like, you don't deserve to celebrate <laughs> because your patience was so lacking. You did not show any restraint. All you did was just destroy everyone else's sanity in this car, right? Okay? So the first level, now it's easy to pick on kids, but like really when we are like this, it's problematic. So the first level of patience is everyone deals with patience their own way. 
but one of the the, the entry level uh, uh, of patients that can be improved upon is to deal with things patiently and not to consistently and constantly complain about them, not to curse them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, there's a hadith in which the Prophet says that Allah says, a hadith Qudsi, he says what? يُؤْذِينِ ibn Adam يَصُبُّ الدَّهْرَ وَأَنَا الدَّهْرُ He says, the children of Adam, men and women everywhere, they, they, they hurt me, they curse me. And how? He says, يَصُبُّ الدَّهْرُ They curse time. وَأَنَا الدَّهْرُ And I am the one who controls time. This is a very deep hadith. So let me just take a minute to... to, to what is the number one object of our frustration is time. It's either not enough of it, or it's either too much of it, or it's either missed opportunities, or it's either not moving fast enough, or it's moving too slowly. Time is the thing that we actually get most frustrated with, right? Like many of us feel this in daylight savings time <laughs> when for some reason they steal one hour of sleep from us, okay? Now, Allah is saying here that when you say something as simple to you as like, oh God, I hate, I hate it here. I hate this. Why is this life like this? Why is this world like this? Just cursing like what seems to be like a very safe curse because you're just upset. So you're not cursing any one individual. You're just like, oh, this day was just too short. This year is just moving too fast. And you're saying it not in like a nostalgic way, but like an angry way. He's saying, It's like cursing the host of the dinner that invited you. What kind of shameless person would do that? Allah gave us every second, every breath, and we never asked. And we never earned it. We never deserved it. And so we get frustrated, and that's okay. We can become frustrated. But what do we do with that frustration is that we try to deflate it. We try to extinguish it with the remembrance of our overwhelming blessing as compared to the reason that we're frustrated and upset. Right? I have a friend who is very, very, mashallah, well-known in my circle for missing flights. Whenever he says, I'm flying, and I hope he's watching right now. Whenever he says, I'm flying, and we say when, he says, Today, my flight's at 5. I said, okay, I'll pick you back up at 5.30. Because by then you'll know your flight is, you missed it, and I have to take you back home, right? So it's not, we have a two drop-off team, right? There's the drop-off for the late flight, then there's the drop-off for the, for the uh, pickup, and then there's another drop-off for the next morning early rebooked flight, okay? So, but this brother, whenever he misses his flight, Mashallah, he's always able to find, you know, there's always people that can find the silver lining and everything. He's the one. He's the one. And so he says, you know what? I kind of didn't want to go tonight. I, I don't sleep well in hotels. So like, if we can just reduce one night, then it's good. Or if it's like, you know, money, he's like, oh, you know what? We get to save a little bit on the hotel. Or like, you know what? I like to have my coffee in the morning before I fly. So I don't even know where I would go. Can't go to Starbucks anymore, right? Like my Allah Ta'ala curse them. And so, so he always, and this is again, this is a beautiful trait because why? He's taking a bad situation, he's making it better. So step number one, where you're at. In the insan ali, rabbihi lakanud. You and I, we have this, this propensity for ingratitude. So we have to identify that. Okay, so now when something happens, Allah is telling us, this is who you are. Trials will happen. How do you respond? You have one of three choices. The first choice is to be really, really sour about it. Don't do that. Don't do that. It disconnects you from Allah. It, 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 it furthers you from your prayer. It takes you away from gratitude. And when a person has no gratitude, they have no iman. You know, uh, uh, the Prophet ﷺ said that there's no iman for the person who has no patience. Faith is very hard to hang on to if you're impatient. So we have to not settle at this first level. Now the second level of people who bear patiently are people who, again, when something bad happens to them, they're patient, but they're patient in a way where they're able to handle it with strength, with resolve, and with silence. And this is great. This is amazing. I mean, I want you to think about, subhanAllah, the videos you've seen from Gaza. 
of patience being demonstrated in situations you never thought they could be demonstrated. Right? People remaining in an equilibrium state despite the fact that they just experienced the unspeakable. Right? The murder of their family, the destruction of their home, unknown, their future is completely unknown, displacement from their land. All of these things, subhanAllah. And they're able to just remain. What is it? What is it about these people? You have a heart and they have a heart. I have a heart and they have a heart. We all have the same ingredients. But how did they end up with their dish being so much better? Right? It goes back to them understanding who Allah is and who they are. They have trust. They have tawakkul. They know. They know. You know, tawakkul, a lot of people call it like reliance and trust. I'll give you another definition for it. Tawakkul is when you're able to see the ending before you're there. You're able to see it. You trust in Allah. You're able, you, you know, you know, right? Like if, if Steph Curry puts up a shot, when he turns around and the ball's in the air and he's already walking back down the court. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. It's a game called basketball, okay? And instead of watching the shot go in, he puts it up and then he just turns around and starts walking, right? He knows it's going in. That is, that is tawakkul <laughs> in, in the ball or in his shot. Which is shirk, but we'll talk about that later. The point being is that many of us, Allah has told us, like, I got you. I will take care of it. I will be there for you. Like, call upon me, I'll answer you. We've been given the reminders, but we are unable to demonstrate tawakkul in a way that actually shows that we mean it. You know, it's like handing something to somebody at some point you have to let go, yes or no. But if you don't let go and the other person also doesn't take it fully on, then what happens, like if you're handing someone a drink, or, that's when accidents happen because you drop it. But the, the real problem is you didn't know when to let go. You tried to still hold on to it and then the person was like, okay, I'll only take this when you're ready. And then by the time you were able to force yourself, you had lost that opportunity, right? And this is what happened to a woman in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. She learned this lesson. Very hard lesson. I've told this story before, but think about how this applies. She's standing at the grave of one of her relatives, and the Prophet ﷺ comes to her and tries to console her. And she screams at him, and then he goes back to his house. She has no idea who she's screaming at, by the way. She says, you have not been tested like I've been tested. She's upset, rightfully so. The Prophet ﷺ just goes back to his house, Someone tells her that you yelled at the Messenger of Allah. Like you screamed at him. She's super embarrassed. She goes back to the Prophet Sallallahu house. She apologizes. He says, no problem. It's understood. Like, obviously, you know. I, he's, I was just trying to console you, right? To help be there for you. But then he said something very interesting. He said, true patience. And he's not trying to make her feel bad, but he's trying to teach her something. Patience is... Right when the calamity happens. It's not taking six weeks and then saying, I'm okay with it. Bro, you already burned so many bridges. <laughs> During those six weeks, you lost all your family and friends. No one wants to be around you because you weren't able to display patience at that moment. So what's the bare minimum that patience asks of you and me? Just be quiet. فَلْيَقُلْ خَيْرًا أَوْ Actually, a deep hadith if you think about it. Whoever believes in Allah has iman in Allah, which means what? They know Allah will take care of it. They know Allah will take care of it. You know what the scariest thing for the Israeli army is right now? Is when a Palestinian Muslim from Gaza says, Hasbun Allah wa ni'mal wakil. I guarantee you, those already frail, I can't say it, those already just absolute nothing human beings of soldiers in the IDF, I guarantee you that when they hear an elderly Palestinian woman or a young Palestinian child or a person that is sitting in a hospital bed on a transfusion say, Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil. The fact that that person is saying, look, I'm handing this over to Allah. I'm giving it to Allah. I guarantee you that fear strikes their heart in a way that nothing else does. No gun, no bomb, nothing can cause the fear of a person that says, you know what? 
I don't have to handle this because Allah will handle it for me. Right? Maliki yomiddin. The day of judgment's coming. Life ends. Life ends. People die. It is what it is. But on the day of judgment, we'll see. We'll see. Right? It's one of the scariest things, subhanAllah. But it's also one of the most consoling things for people. That's why, مَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ Whoever believes in Allah and the last day, فَلْيَقُلْ خَيْرُ أَوْ Don't say anything bad. You don't have to ruin it. You don't have to take it away. Let people do what they want to do. Let them say what they want to say. And khalas. You'll have your day in court. Right? And you'll, you'll be allowed to forgive or you'll be allowed to take whatever you want. And that's up to you. But the believer never thinks that I have to solve everything right now. That's why I can be patient. That's why I can be patient. May Allah Ta'ala give us this patience. And this patience is a sign of belief in Allah in the Day of Judgment. This is why, believe it or not, during the era of Mecca, in the first 13 years of the prophethood of the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. What did the Qur'anic revelation focus on? It focused on the Day of Judgment. While these people are being tortured by the Quraysh, while they're being harassed, boycotted, killed, what are they hearing from Allah? Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. There is a day where you will get everything. What did the Prophet ﷺ tell Ammar and Sumayyah as they were being killed? Or Yasir and Sumayyah as they were being killed? Sabran ya ala Yasir. Bear patiently. Because Jannah is waiting for you. Right? And the believer sees or hears that and all of a sudden you're like, okay. I mean, look, and try this the next time you find yourself infuriated by something in your life. Try this. Tell yourself that I have something better waiting for me in paradise. That's it. And that's the second level. The third level, and this is the highest level, and this is what he mentions here is when a person bears patiently and they are actually grateful to Allah for the trial. Like they thank Allah for the trial. So there's a couple statements here that I think are interesting. How do, how do you get to this level? How can you be a person that when something bad, I'm using quotes here, when something bad happens, because by the way, not every trial is bad. Omar, he said that we were tested with poverty and we passed. We were tested with wealth and we did not pass. So every test is different. Some tests can be things that you like, can be a test, right? How do you know if you passed or failed? How you came closer to Allah, what your status with Allah was. So Shurayh, he says something very beautiful about how to become a person that thanks Allah during trials. Are you ready for this? Okay. Number one, he says, he says, he says, when, uh, whenever I'm tested with a trial, I say alhamdulillah to Allah for four things. Okay, he says, number one, he says, I thank Allah because it could have been worse. And I know that we all hate hearing that one. Something bad's happening and someone's like, could have been worse. You're like, you're the worst actually. You are the worst. You're right, it could have been worse, it could have been you, and you are the worst, okay? But his, look, all emotions aside, his statement is true. No matter what is happening, it could be worse. It could be worse. So he says, say alhamdulillah. Like it could have been worse. Then the second thing he says, is he says, إِذْ رَزَقَنِي أَصَّبْرَ عَلَيْهَا He says, I say alhamdulillah wa ahmadu idh razaqani sabra alayha. I say alhamdulillah because God has actually given me a new skill. The ability to be patient. I've gained something here. He says, wa ahmadu idh wafaqani lil istarja'a lima arju min thawab He says that, I, I, I say alhamdulillah because Allah has guided me to say the right thing when I'm tested. Allah in the Quran, He says, that whenever a person is tested, they say, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. We don't only say that when somebody passes away, by the way. We say it when anything we don't like happens. Right? إِذْ أَصَابُوا مُصِيبَةٌ فَقَالُوا قَالُوا إِنَّ لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّ إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ 
that when people are tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they say what? Verily, we belong to Allah and to Him we return. Why do we say that statement? Because your test is happening in this life. And when you remind yourself, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun, you're, you're saying two things. Number one, you know, everything that I have here is from Allah anyways. So I can't complain. And my permanent destination, it's better and it's permanent. So the believer says, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun, when something bad happens, because why? It's the best therapy for disappointment. It's the best therapy, right? For being disappointed. And then he says, and this is beautiful, I thank Allah because even though he tested me, he did not take away my faith. Because some tests, if a person's not in the right space, if a person is not prepared, think about it like a ship. If a person's ship is not strong enough, some storms can break the ship down. And our goal, the reason why we pray, why we fast, why we read Quran, why we make dua, is it strengthens our ship so that when, not if, when the storms come, our ship is not destroyed by the test that we are given. And we make it through. You guys been through turbulence? You've been on an airplane before it started shaking? Your goal is that you're able to make it through. Right? And you've seen people, all different types of people on the plane. You've seen these three different types. The person who's holding white knuckled, right? As if that's going to help you. If, if, look, if this plane goes down, I don't think you holding to your seat is going to do much. Okay? Then you got the second person who's sitting there quietly, but you can see the slowly the bead of sweat just dripping as the plane is shaking. And then you have the person that just keeps going on with whatever they're, they're just cutting into their dry chicken. And they're just like, just got to keep eating, right? And then you have like the awliya who are like, Allahu la ilaha illahu al-hayl khayim. And they're actually keeping the plane above, right? But the lesson from this, subhanAllah, is that there's always a reason to thank Allah, even in times of difficulty. And the most profound, perhaps, is that Allah Ta'ala did not test you in your faith. I'll read a couple more of these, inshaAllah. What's another way that you can become a person that handles trials better, more gracefully? Talq ibn Habib, he says, Maktubun fi al-Injil. It was written in the original Gospels. Ya ibn Adam, Idhulimta fasbir. O children of Adam, if you are wronged, be patient. Why? Fa'inna laka nasiran khayran minka li nafsika nasiran. Just remind yourself. That there is someone better than you helping you than even you can help yourself. You don't have to fight this fight by yourself. You don't, you're, not, you're not alone. You are not alone. Be patient. Because when the help arrives, I want you to understand when this surah was coming down. The surah and nasr right? The one that we all read every day <laughs> at some point. Right? When the help of Allah comes and the victory comes, what happens next? Allah Ta'ala says, you will see people that will be entering into this religion in droves, like crowds, 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 just showing up in the doorstep of the Prophet ﷺ in Medina, Saying what? We want to accept Islam. This is being told to the Prophet ﷺ. When? During the time in which he could not imagine that anybody would accept Islam. He's being given this promise by Allah. So if Allah can give the Prophet ﷺ this promise that despite the tests and the trials and the boycotts and the wars that you're going through, there will come a time when what? You will see people coming into this religion in droves. If that's enough for the Prophet ﷺ, then think about you. The same Allah that promised him victory is the same Allah that you and I pray to. Your victory is there. Your help is there. You know, we were, we were, we were doing sa'i during Umrah. Who's been for Umrah before? Raise your hand if you've been for Umrah. May Allah Ta'ala invite us all. Make an intention to go for Umrah. 
Forget Tulum for a while. Cancel some Tulum trips and go for Umrah. It's incredible. It's incredible, subhanAllah. The, what it does for your Iman is you cannot even. And now you can stop on the way somewhere and make Umrah and then keep going, you know, wherever you're going. But I think it's out of the way to Tulum. So we, we were doing Sa'i, right? So there's, there's really, there's four parts to Umrah, but in terms of movements, there's really two major ones, Tawaf and Sa'i. So Tawaf, you're circ circumambulating, right, a Muslim word. You're going around the Kaaba seven times, okay, counterclockwise, starting at the black stone and finishing at the black stone. Sa'i is interesting because Sa'i is a commemoration of one of the greatest trials that a person has ever been through, and that is our mother, the wife of Ibrahim, Hajar, and her son, Ismail, in the desert with no water. Ibrahim leaves them. We talked about this during the Friend of Allah series. Prophet Ibrahim, peace be upon him, he leaves. Allah commands him to leave, he leaves. Now this mother with her newborn child is in the middle of a desert. The child is crying. I want you to understand, complete helplessness. Allah Ta'ala described it as a place with no vegetation, dry, dust, sand. And she starts running between these two mountains, Safa and Marwa. Okay? And after running back and forth, back and forth, her desperation and her yearning is so great, she calls out to Allah, and Allah Ta'ala sends via the, 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 the agency of Jibreel, his angel, the water, the well known as Zamzam. Right? Why didn't Allah send Jibreel at the first one? Why did she have to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth? Why? Why did Jibreel come down only after there was some effort put in? Because victory never comes right away. Aid and help never comes right away. We have to display our faith in the form of patience to Allah. And then Allah Ta'ala promises that he is with those who are patient. He rewards those who are patient. And your sincerity is shown by your patience. And so during that running back and forth, she wasn't complaining about Allah. She was calling to Allah. And then Allah Ta'ala gave her what she needed. Now here's the crazy thing. All of us in some way, shape, or form are in a desert and we need water. <laughs> and we're calling to Allah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it could be like a health thing. It could be your family. It could, all of us are calling to Allah. We're in a desert. We don't see any sign of life and we need water desperately. But you have to ask yourself, are you running? Are you, are you doing what you need to do in order to show Allah your desperation? Or are you just simply waiting? Right? So Talq, he shares this beautiful narration with us, which is what? Call upon Allah with full conviction, knowing that he can help you better than you can help yourself. Okay? And then I'll give you the last, uh, the last one that, we, that we'll mention, inshallah, tonight. And that is, he mentions here that a person celebrates their trials because of all the fawa'id, the benefits of it. And I want you to understand something, right? Many of you guys have heard about the hadith that says that no harm befalls a person, even the prick of a thorn, except that Allah clears their sins, right? Are you ready for this? The hadith was actually, I was just talking to Shaykh Abdel Nasser about this. The hadith was actually really, really uh, abbreviated in its translation. When you read the Arabic, it's actually a lot more than that. He says, مَا يُصِيبُ الْمُؤْمِنِ مِنْ وَصْبٍ وَلَا نَصْبٍ That there is no thing that afflicts a believer, whether it be any sort of fatigue, any sort of disease, وَلَا سَقَمٍ وَلَا حَزَنٍ No sadness, no sorrow, no hunger, no distress, حَتَّى الْهَمِّ يُهِمُّهُ any anxiety they feel whatsoever. Any difficulty. And then it says, in another narration, Almost as an idiom, even the prick of a thorn. But a lot of people just translated that and said, Allah will reward you or take away your sins if you get pricked by a thorn. So all of us are kind of like, you know, like walking around like. <laughs> but the hadith is very clear. Every single discomfort. I, think about this. You're driving, you're late for work, you hit a red light. You're like, 
right? I hate going back to work. I wish I was remote still. You hit a red light. In that moment, if you're patient, Allah is clearing your sins while you sit there at the red light. Instead of you just being like, now it's like, ah, this is from the hum. This is from the hazan. This is from the stress. I'm feeling stressed. And Allah promises me, his prophet promised me that this stress, if I come at it with the right frame of mind, the right frame of heart really, is enough to clear me of my sins. So if a person is tested in their life with anything, delay, difficulty, anything at all, I want you to imagine showing up to the day of judgment, not having done much good. You haven't been the most perfect person. May Allah Ta'ala help us and increase us. But your life, there was a lot of tests. There was a lot of difficulties. I want you to imagine showing up on the day of judgment and being told, Go ahead, enter. And you're like, wait a minute. I did not expect this. Knowing me, how did this happen? And I want you to imagine that you're told this hadith. Every difficulty that you went through, every trial in your home, in your family, with your friends, at work, every moment where you felt left out, every moment where you felt glossed over, every moment where you felt somehow, some way disappointed, but then you're watching it in 4K, and I don't, I'm not saying that like how TikTok says it. You're watching it in 4K on the Day of Judgment, and you're able to see all of your sins getting erased for every moment of difficulty. And you know what you're going to say to yourself? You're going to say, man, I wish I had more difficulty in life. I wish that I was able to take on more because it was so worth the trade. It was so worth what I got from it. And that's why Ibn Abdul Salam says, if you learn how to be patient, it becomes the greatest gift of a trial because al-farh li-ajli fawa'idiha. You will start to celebrate when you get tested because you know, ah, Allah is cleaning me up right now. All of the fajr that I missed in my life, Allah is cleaning me up right now. All of the backbiting that I did, Allah is cleaning me up right now. And I'm going to be reminded to make tawbah as a result of my trial using this time wisely. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to clean our sins and to make us people that leave gatherings like this with no sins. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the ability to have patience beautifully and to bear with things with beauty and with perseverance. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to practice the example of his prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that we're able to handle all of the difficulties in the way that he handled them in a way that was grateful to him, in a way that connects us to Allah, in a way that connects us to our faith, and in a way that makes us stronger in our iman. We ask Allah Ta'ala to help our brothers and sisters who are abroad, who are being oppressed. Those in Gaza, those in Sudan, those in the Burmese brothers and sisters, the Rohingya. We ask Allah Ta'ala to help those in the Congo. We ask Allah Ta'ala, every brother and sister, Afghanistan, those that have been afflicted, afflicted by tragedy at the hands of others, or through some natural disaster, we ask Allah Ta'ala to be with them and to give them ease and to give them aid. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk.